Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Bijou Podcasts. This is episode 84 of the Stacey June Show, and today my guest is our bachelorette, Angie Kent. Hello, my friends. Welcome. I'm Stace. This is the Stacey June Show. If you haven't listened to the show before, I am motivated by conversations where we allow ourselves to go within and have a bit of a think about our point of difference, what our spark is. So that might be from a, a thought or a feeling or something I'm working through in my own life, which I do on the Self-Centered Sunday podcast or a single Pringle episode, which is for the single ladies and fellas, drops on a Tuesday. Or on Thursday, I have conversations with people uh, trying to just dig into how they found their point of difference and hoping that it motivates you to find yours. So welcome to this podcast with many different shows and many different facets. Um, I have become friends with Angie across working with her and being a fan of her and Evie's and meeting the two of them on um, a show that I did uh, before this, The Thinker Girls, and just they just found them completely divine and, you know, became became good pals on the old Instagram, really. And so um, it was pretty exciting to see the two of them completely flourish as they left Gogglebox, uh, then headed to I'm a Celeb, Get Me Out of Here, and just watching Evie kill it in Radio Land uh, and properly kill it. Um, and then Angie being offered the Bachelorette show was pretty exciting stuff, to be honest. Uh, these girls have worked behind the scenes for a long time in the industry. And for me, that always just rings a little bit of a different kind of. I don't know, a bit of a chime in my heart because I just think that they know what they're doing, they've done the hard yards and they're also fucking great people. Angie, when we spoke, which was many moons ago now, I have dropped the single Pringle episode of that chat earlier, which I'll put in show notes, which is her specifically talking about – just the things that she went through with dating and the different types of attitudes, but it will all be in this podcast as well. But if you wanted a a different, um, like a quick fix after it, and you wanted to listen to the single content stuff, um, you'll find that in show notes. But this podcast goes into, yeah, just basically the idea around her self-care and her real thought process around uh, what she had done in her life in her romantic life prior to going on The Bachelorette and why it was the right time for her to do something like this. And when I say something like this, I don't mean necessarily the television element, even though the timing just kind of works out so brilliantly for where she's at in her career. But more so, I think personally, is where she's at in her life. And she speaks a lot about how she dated and found herself being often the one that was very zipped up and pulled away and, and you know, and speaks a lot about her mental health struggles and how she has managed that over time with different different help and different practices um, and you know we speak about her granny and and her experience and um, you know her experience I say with 
the way she talks to her granny now after her passing, but also the special relationship they had. There's so much that we talk about in this chat. And um, and it's really interesting and a lovely, beautiful, refreshing insight to get an idea about who Angie is, if you don't already know, uh, before you kind of take on this bachelorette journey with her on the show. So... I hope you enjoy it. Um, she is divine as she seems. She's very warm. Uh, when she had a, a break in the Bachelorette Mansion, she could quickly jump on Instagram, message a few people. Um, I was one of those people to say hi, but mostly she was just saying congratulations on my pregnancy, which just gives you a bit of an idea. Like there's so many people, you know, you think that those kinds of things, and I don't think anybody owes me anything, but you think about people being busy and not having the time to even kind of send a message or do those types of things. You know, it's interesting to watch how sometimes even the most hectic, busiest people really make effort to kind of say, hey, this is amazing. I'm wrapped for you. And that's why I want to share that because she's one of those. She's just constantly thrilled and kind of has this really lovely light and energy around her that I then hope brings pretty amazing special romantic things into her life um, in the next few months as we all witness. Um, but, yeah, I've heard that she's very happy and um, and that's all I know about that the, the show. Um, and so I'm just – I'm thrilled for her. I mean, mostly I was just like – felt like a sister where I was like, ah, just make sure that you meditate and you take care of yourself. It's such a massive show to go on. But she was just – she so had it, man, and you'll hear that in this chat. She was nervous but she was vulnerable and open and honest and so clear-headed and – and I, I really think that we're going to get a lot out of this show in a different way than we have in different seasons. So enjoy the chat with Angie. Enjoy watching her on the telly. Um, let her know that you heard her here. And if you're finding this show um, from from Angie sharing this show, um, hi. There's plenty of different shows that you can go back and listen to, uh, lots of different interviews, and, um, and I hope you enjoy. But here is my chat with the beautiful Angie Kent. Oh my God, it's very <laughs> exciting to be chatting and it's also weird to be chatting um, on the interwebs and one-on-one. I know. Like, the last time we chatted, we probably both couldn't get a word in. No, <laughs> that's so true. Last time we chatted, we had our partners in crime and now look at us, we're solo chatting. Oh my God, Angie, I was just saying before we started recording how crazy you have those years where you're like nothing happens and then you have years where it all happens or maybe it always happens, but at the time you don't know what's happening. I don't know. But this has been such a crazy mega year for you. Such a crazy year. And it's only halfway and it's really only just beginning, you could say. Mm. But mm. yeah, no, you're right. It was, I believe that like you, you have those years where you do feel like nothing's happening. And then, yeah, this year it's kind of just been like, whoa, Whoa, where did you come Mm-mm. from? So when you guys decided to leave Gogglebox, I mean, you both were, I know when we were talking, when we last caught up, you both um, were interested in careers in entertainment, had had very uh, successful careers uh, behind the scenes and then you joined Gogglebox and were really interested in different kinds of projects. What was the plan? Like did you have a bit of a plan for yourself when you left Gogglebox and was that very much changed 
when you guys went into the jungle? No plan at all, to be completely honest. I um, I always worked behind the scenes, like you said, but then once Gogglebox started, nobody would really touch me. Um, that, that sounded awful. Have me behind the scenes. That's um, weird, isn't it? Because I find that too. I worked in production for a long time and then as soon as I got on air, it's like the industry separates you. They do. They, it's you're, like it, you're not allowed to do both. You can't do both. I don't know. Now I look back and I don't know whether it was the industry or whether it was the universe being like, okay, uh-huh. I don't want you yeah. to do this anymore because I would apply for so many jobs and I used to get them all the time. And I'm like, am I just like not, you know, do I not have the skills anymore? Like what's happened? Nothing's changed. If anything, I've got more experience yeah no one would touch me so then I had to get into um back into nannying and I studied to become a support worker and then I just yeah just did that and did goggle box and then we just left because um you know it was four years eight seasons three logies we we had enough I had a huge year um mentally physically with family and just myself and um Evie and I we had a chat and she's like no I'm ready I'm ready to go if you are. And I was like, I, I want to move home. I lost my nan and I wanted to um, come home and be with my mum because she wasn't coping. And mm. then I'm a celebrity just called us two weeks later. And then, yeah, I kind of wasn't thinking career. I was just thinking health. I wanted to get home. And then mm. the rest kind of just, it's like as soon as I let go, everything fell into place. It's funny the second that you start to, you know, you kind of actively work on yourself. I think we all would identify with working on ourselves at some point along, I guess, the craziness or the chaos of our lives or the hecticness of a job or whatever. But it's until you truly say, okay, no, I'm going to commit to this, that then the other stuff falls into place. It's so weird. I think it's like, I don't know, how was it kind of your nan passing that made that, that really big eye-opener decision for you or were you thinking you were led to that point and it was going to happen at some at some time I think it was going to I we've been saying to be honest for like a year you know I've had enough I don't really want to do this anymore we we weren't we weren't happy in what we were doing but I just kept kind of putting it off and I was like you know I was house sitting because I was living between Sydney and London and then I was like you know what last year I was like I'm going to give myself a solid shot in Sydney because I keep moving between Sydney and London and maybe that's what's the problem. So then I stayed put, got myself a place and that wasn't the answer either. I was still so unhappy. Um, Yeah, and then, you know, I gave up the place and then I lost my poppy and then a few months later Mm. I lost my nan who was like my best friend in the world and that was Mm. very unexpected for my whole family. And then we left and then I left Sydney, I left Gogglebox and then I left Sydney. It was like all these ends and I was like, mm. whoa, this is so much to say goodbye to. But mm. as soon as I said goodbye and came home, then the universe was like, or I believe the universe was like, thank you, oh, my God, it took this many things to happen for you to listen to me when I probably could have mm. been happy a year ago but every, everything happens at the right time. I think so too. And I think, you know, I don't, yeah, there's no way of knowing. So you find yourself now, what, when we record this, it'll be a couple of weeks before you head into the Bachelorette Mansion. It's called a mansion, right? Yeah, well, that's what I've been calling it, so I hope so. <laughs> I'm so intrigued of your digs, firstly. Do you have any idea where you stay in that picture, like where your room is? <laughs> no. I think what happens is the guys have their own and I have my own. 
Right. So your own house, you'll have a separate house. I have my own house and I'll have like my own producers staying with me or minders or something like that. You know what? It's all quite secretive. I don't know a lot and I'm about to start. I kind of just do as I'm told and then hope for the best. So when you came out, so you went into the jungle and straight away the storyline from out here and you guys were so fucking unreal and I was so proud and happy you guys were in there. It just was, especially as two friends and and working alongside that dynamic of two girls for a long, it was just the best. I was just thrilled for you cats. Oh, good, I'm so glad. And... and everybody got to see exactly the kinds of – obviously everybody had already seen it on Gogglebox, but it was a completely different, full-rounded, you know, idea of who you two were. Um, but the first storyline straight off the bat, I think it was one of the first storylines that started to make the press, was you being single mm. and your this kind of romantic thing with what's-his-face. What's his name? Was it Justin? Yeah, Justin. Yeah, yeah. And – and it was so interesting to watch and I kind of thought, hmm, that's an interesting story to play out. Do you think they had some ideas around you getting into The Bachelorette at the time of the show I, and had there been any discussions or you just looked at it as the jungle, that was it? I looked at it as the jungle. That's all I could think about. It was so frightening to leave a show where you sat so comfortably on your couch, <laughs> eating, drinking, you know, saying whatever you want because you're protected behind a screen to then being thrown into the jungle with no vices, nobody I know except for Evie, which thank God for that. That was a blessing really. Mm. And then and a bonus. Yeah, right? such a bonus. But no, I didn't think all I was thinking of was how the hell am I going to stay sane, survive this and come across as I hope I could come across as myself but I was so scared my anxiety was going to take over because it's so full on over there but I've just Mm. had the best time really of my life so yeah no I never thought of the bachelorette I was in there I was grubby like I some days I didn't shower I didn't shower for like four days (laughs) once I was so gross so I was like no way would I was I thinking of anything other than experiencing the jungle yeah, right. And so you come out and it's a bit of a whirlwind. Where did the conversation start about you essentially going on TV to find love? Um, well, you know, it started obviously in there. The whole Justin and I, they story tried they tried to make that happen for about a week but to be completely honest with you it died within a day but of course editing and whatever mm-hmm, they mm-hmm, did, carried it on for a solo I watched it and I was like wow they really dragged that on when it stopped and impressive it didn't even impressive, start. Yeah. so good on them for doing that um, that's impressive. <laughs> but no I it got towards the end and I was really close with Richard big daddy yes. Richard I like to call him and we were sent down to the nookie I think it's called or the something like that and we were asked to have a chat about why we're both single. Um, but, yeah, the main focus was on why I was single and I was like, oh, oh, Australia must really love mine and Richard's relationship. That's what I thought. I, there was no yeah, way right. in my mind that I was like, oh, are they teeing this up for me to potentially be <laughs> the bachelorette? And oh, the- I love this stuff. I know, it's just wild. And then I landed in Sydney and then the day after Channel 10 got me in, for a meeting so my my agent flew flew into town and was like they're talking about you for bachelorette and I was like what the hell why had a chat with them and they 
didn't even ask, like it wasn't an interview. They would, they just gave it to me. They were like, it's yours. Wow. And I was like, me? And <laughs> what? And you, and so you, so it was kind of, but there was no discussion in terms of, or a, a conversation for you. You were just like, this is an absolute no brainer for me. Like, why would I not do this? Original, like, say if they asked me before the jungle, say if I left Gogglebox and my first gig was Bachelorette, I think I would have had to have a really, really, really big think about it because I still wasn't in the best mind frame. I, I would think that that was just too much. Whereas the jungle was just so perfect because I was completely stripped from my vices and found out who the mm. real Angie was again. That made me realise I could take on this next, mm. this next mm. gig. Um, so yeah, I didn't really, I was so high on life. Like I literally just landed from South Africa. I was jet lagged as all hell, but I was still on those jungle vibes. So I didn't really think, I just was like, obviously this is what I'm supposed to do. So yes. I mean, now That's I'm awesome. about it. Now I'm like, oh my God, yeah. what have I done? Yeah. So essentially you were incredibly single because if there's anyone else on the picture, there's anything else going on. It's not really a conversation that you jump straight into a hard yes and so when you get to this place and you find yourself you know when you're I don't know how long have you been single for I've been properly single for eight years yeah so I I I think I had a big stint of just over five years and it was it was an actual proper no one was brought home kind of situation you know like ever it was just a complete me thing Mm. so when you get to that point it is interesting. Have you found yourself at a different kind of independence at this point in your life compared to other points? Like I think, you know, what I'm trying to say is, you know, when you have those times where you think I'm really solid here, I'm really feeling great about being solo and then you have another time later on down the track and you go, oh, my God, that was nothing compared to what I feel now. Yeah. Has the layers of those independent moments really, I guess, grounded and, and kind of gotten stronger over time and and can you explain the place you're in currently as a single chick yeah well I think the the biggest one of the biggest reasons I was single for so long was originally I was uh, I had three really really good boyfriends young and then I thought you know what I want to, I had such high hopes for myself and I really wanted to have like this amazing career and coming from the Sunshine Coast, it's a very coasty lifestyle where it's like, oh no, you just get yourself a little shop and you find a dude and you have kids. And I was like, no, I want so much for myself. So I was like, I can't have both. So originally it was so like anti-men, like I can't have both. I've got to do this on my own. And then I got to my mid twenties and I was like, well, I, I, even if I wanted someone, I'm not ready. I didn't love myself enough. I think that was one of the big things too. And then I, um, cause whenever I just tried to date, I would always find a way to ruin it. So I was like, no, obviously I'm not ready, but having all these experiences and ticking all these boxes that I wanted to do has now made me realize that I can very well have both. It comes down to the other person as well. And that right person will allow me to still live my, you know, crazy Angie lifestyle, but, and they'll love me for it. Whereas I never thought, um, I could have both those things. I wonder, why do you think we believe that as chicks? Because I, I really highly doubt that men are having those same thought processes. No, they don't. I think we were just kind of always brought up, we were always told we couldn't. I don't know if it's just a coasty thing. I don't know if they sell you that story in the city, but I kind of never thought 
I could have both. I thought I was always kind of, you know, men would be a distraction and if I got too big they would kind of shut me down, which probably isn't the case, but that was my belief system and I don't believe that now. I believe a lot of men probably still do, but the right man won't and I'm not going to settle for anyone except for that person who we just bring each other up. We don't put each other down when we're doing well. So with the um, the moments where you kind of ruined it, and I suppose a lot of people would, you know, refer to that as self-sabotage, what would you do? What were your kind of beastie moments where you were really working through yourself and, and trying to figure out who you were and you had something good coming up and you were just kind of destroying it? Oh, God, I would do it all the time. I think back when I had solid relationships, I that was when I was worried about not being able to then have a solid career. But then Mm. when I had like a pretty, you know, sturdy career, I then would just, I don't know, I would like just date. But then as soon as we were, we would get too close, I would find a way to just, you know, believe that this person um, wasn't the one. And that's because I was also so frightened for them to see the real me because sometimes I did have really bad days and everybody saw me as this like, oh, you know, girl on Gogglebox, she's so funny, she's so lighthearted, she looks after dogs, she looks after people with a disability. But I would have like super dark days and I didn't want a guy to get in and see how vulnerable I was because I I don't know, I just didn't want them to, to help me or take on that burden maybe. I'm not sure what it was, but I always found a way to ruin it. I would just say I'm not interested and this is just like a friend's thing and we're just sleeping together. You'd back out. So you'd yeah. back out. Yeah, this is sex, yeah. Yeah, this And is kind sex. of take the emotion out of it. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. And that would hurt them. That would then hurt them and then I would ruin such beautiful was friendships that now, you know, you, you cross that line and there's no kind of turning turning back. I was never a monster, you know, like I'm not mean. I would just do it in a way that was just so friend zone that, you know, that's awful. Like I see my, I see it happen to my girlfriends and I'm like, what an asshole, but I was the asshole. It's interesting because I think a lot of the time, because we've been told all these stories about you can't do this with men, you can't do this with men. There's also been a storyline amongst girls and women that are very much like he's the devil. Uh, and when I say devil, I mean it's very quick for us to go, yeah, he's an asshole. Yeah. But a lot of the time there is a, I don't know, do you think it, it, there has been moments in those eight years where you haven't been aware of being accountable for the kinds of things you did to hurt dudes? Because I think that can happen sometimes where we very quickly go to our girlfriends and they'll probably give us, I guess, that those words that we need to hear rather than the truth yeah. and then all of a sudden we turn it and we aren't taking any form of responsibility for what we've contributed and maybe how we've hurt someone? I think that I've seen people do that but I think I was very aware that I was doing it, which I think, yeah. almost, I think is worse. But, again, I wasn't happy with myself so, of course, I'm going to turn away the pe- a person. I don't want... Um, Yeah, I just didn't – I can't expect someone to love me when I didn't love myself. I was very aware of what I was doing because it would break my heart because I hated being – I hated hurting people but I just wasn't ready to to let someone in and I thought, you know, they would take away my – this big kind of I can do everything myself. I just didn't want anyone to – to take that away from me. But now I'm older. How did your anxiety play into dating? Because for me, fuck, man – 
it, it was like it was like a whole other polar universe I would create for myself in so many different aspects. And you do that already. Oh, well, I do that still to this day with friendships or work or different things. But dating, because there was so much unknown, it would really open up a whole space for me to catastrophize or overthink and really you know, kind of spend a lot of time of my life wasting time away with guys that maybe I met once on the dance floor. I don't know how yours played out, but was there anything in particular that was a real challenge for you being single or dating with your anxiety? Um, I think with, it was, it's interesting in my early twenties, probably still, I haven't dated now for a while, obviously, cause I can't, and I haven't had time being away and everything, but I would have to, uh, have a few drinks before a date to completely calm my mm. nerves because I wouldn't think that I was, um, good enough. I, mm. And I would friend zone everyone. And I would just be like, I'm the girl that you just joke around and laugh with. And I'm still a bit nervous that I may do that. I don't need to have a drink now to know that I can, you know, I had the jungle where I was sober every single day and, you know, I was still my fun, crazy self. Um, but before that I was a little bit like, well, no, I need to have a drink so I can feel confident. But it's like, well, no, you're the exact same person. You've just masked yourself with a little bit of alcohol thinking you're confident when you're probably more of a dick when you're drinking anyway. (laughs) But you just don't think it because you're like, whatever, I'm having the best time ever. But yeah, no, I would always have to have a few drinks before a date because my anxiety was just like through the roof. And then um, that's not ideal. I don't want to make connections fueled on alcohol because that's not real. So I, yeah, I don't need to do that anymore but I would it's do that so common though but are you scared because the bachelorette is like and the bachelor franchise like man they booze it up they do booze it up and I have quite an interesting relationship with alcohol like I don't want to rely on it to calm nerves I would I, I believe that you should have it if you're celebrating and you're having a few drinks but as soon as I realize I'm drinking because I'm nervous and I need to talk to these dudes that's when I'm going to be like well no you don't need to do that you don't you won't have a drink at all you just pretend to have a drink Mm. otherwise you get carried away well 100% when it's there and you know everybody has that Aussie mindset hey it's free no one can and it doesn't matter how fucking rich you end up being if there's free booze somewhere there is this psychology that tells you to drink more it's messed up oh my god I know what is with that even us working in the industry for so long there's free booze everywhere it took me like a good solid year when I moved to Sydney to not grab a glass of champagne or a cocktail at 9am at the witchery shoe launch like you know what I mean like what am I doing like this is like put that fucking cocktail down you have to go to work in two oh hours like, it's so stupid it's so true I'm exactly the same if it's there I would not care what time of the day it is I'm like oh yeah I can have a drink <laughs> so full on it's so crazy so yeah you're gonna have to be careful do you have you thought about do they ask you about kind of dates or things that you want to do maybe you have to try and go in with some ideas that don't revolve around um you know well, it's going to be hard. Like they're all like these candlelit, amazing things and then you're like, cheers, here's a champagne. But still, you want to enjoy it. You don't want to completely be, you know, I don't know, like not at least having fun know, because it's going to be weird. That's the thing. You can't like I'll definitely have a drink, but I think I need to be the sort of person because once I start sometimes I'm like I will go and go and go and then I'm like, oh, no, that's not good. So I'll think I'll have to have like a four <laughs> – Four champagne cut off. Because after four champagnes, God, I'm probably too wild anyway. So maybe I should make it three. 
Well, it depends. Maybe you do four of the special occasions. <laughs> Maybe when you actually, oh, my God, if they didn't edit it out, that's how we'd be able to tell. We'd have a code. So I'd watch how many drinks you would have on Tully and you were only drinking three for when it's like just whatever, but then when you drink the fourth, I'll know that he's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll be like Cluedo, one, yeah. two, three. Ah, uh, uh, nah, not yeah. it. And then it'll get to the end. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Okay, so before we talk about The Bachelorette and that, well, you've really not, you've, you kind of have said that there's not a whole lot of information that you know, but when you've worked through this place and you've, you've, you know, you've spoken particularly over the last 12 months about how you've really had to have some soul searching and, and kind of get yourself out of some funks. Were you aware that there was some self-care stuff or some really um, deep work that you needed to do at the time? Or were you kind of doing it as you went and now on the other side of it, you went, okay, I do feel like I'm in a really good place with myself and that's because I guess I subconsciously was working on myself. I want to just get an idea of how how conscious you are about the work you do and the kinds of things you did to, to pull yourself out of those times. Um, I think that I've been working on myself since I was about 25. I became, I, I was diagnosed with um, anxiety at 21, but because I was so young and I was working like 15 hour days behind the scenes, production coordinating or whatever, I would just, I didn't care. You know, you just don't know about your health then and I was still just smashing booze and working like a, absolute crazy woman and then I got to 25 and then I realized like how bad my anxiety was um and I had my first experience of like full-blown panic attacks and I was like oh okay something's got to change here so I was constantly you know I was seeing a psychologist and then I um started I mean 25 still to 27 I didn't really look after myself it's only been the last few years where I'm like got more into you know the universe and relying on signs and speaking to a beautiful kinesiologist and really feeling my body and not getting so sucked into my mind because obviously being having anxiety you just overthink everything but then after last year last year was one of my worst years And I just was like, what am I doing? And I still worked on myself in terms, you know, writing and meditating and exercising. But then, I don't know, it's like something just happened. I wish I had a better answer for you. But I think losing the people I love so much and finally letting go of Sydney and trusting that everything was going to be okay once I left Gogglebox, once I left Sydney, now that my nanny's not here, trusting that this was supposed to happen, then it's like, it just, it just happened. And I just, I don't know. I just felt so much lighter. I really do. As corny as this sounds, I really do think the jungle had a massive, massive part that my nanny passing was probably the, the first bit, um, in realizing how short life is and how quickly everything can change. And then it was just like, my anxiety just kind of disappeared in the jungle. It's like, I was supposed to do that in order to re kind of find myself again I know that's so lame but 
That's what I believe. No, it's not lame. But I think you haven't identified some really strong kind of powerful moments in, in what you've just said. Like to quit something that is essentially giving you a bit of an identity and understanding how it's contributing to a career that you're not 100% sure of where to go and, and to take that risk to quit is so big, so big and so many people don't do it. So I think that's an action. The fact that you've constantly been working on yourself with psychology or kinesiology, I think actually a lot of the time comes to play in those moments. So you think that you should only go when times are tough. And I say this on this show and I've said this for so many years, how important it is to be doing the work amongst your actual everyday life because when you have these moments, they can either turn to shit or they can allow you to flourish like the phoenix, right, and kind of come back, which is exactly what's happened with you. But I don't know if it's always that result if you haven't done kind of consistent work when you could throughout your life. Do you know what I mean? And I think sometimes we think that when when we want to start the self-work is when shit hits the fan. Yeah. But actually all of this kind of great stuff that's happening for you is because you were chipping away at it, oh, I reckon. Oh, you do. You have to. I, I think sometimes, yeah, like you said, when we're happy we forget. We think, oh, no, everything's good. We don't need to. Or we normalise anxiety or we normalise everyday life. You know what I mean? You don't even have to be bloody happy. Yes. You just might be plugging away. That's the thing. I think the biggest thing was for me is understanding why I have anxiety, getting down to the deep-rooted issue. I mean, I've started this journey. I hate that word, but I've started this for what? I'm 29 now and I've probably really got into trying to find myself since 25. So what's that, four years, five years? Yeah. Um, I think I even started mindfulness at 21 when the doctor was like, you've got anxiety. So it takes a long time. I'm still not 100% like, yeah, girl, you got this. No way. I still get anxiety, but I acknowledge it now that, and I also think without my anxiety, I wouldn't be me. And me has done all of this, you know? So I think I, I almost don't look at my anxiety as such a bad thing anymore. I'm like, yes, you're there. And, you know, I acknowledge you. I'll let you go, come back in when you need to, but let's, you know, everything's okay. And um, mm. understanding that because originally I was like, I'm crazy. I'm a mental person. I'm having panic attacks. My mind's gone. But that's that's just not it at all. You've really got to educate yourself on it and and understand that so many other people have it as well. Being able to chat to other people about it um, has just been probably one of the best best parts really in accepting it. Well, I think you have to understand what it is before you can even talk about it. And it's only been so recent that it, all of us have had some form of acknowledgement, even from the health system. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Like I was fainting when I was a little kid and they were like, oh, you don't eat enough. Maybe you are afraid of needles. Like I'm like, hello. No, I was not. Yes. It's like we were always just numbing things and ignoring things. And if you had it and nobody else had it, you got embarrassed. Because I remember none of my friends had it anxiety or that feeling of depression but then I found out later they did we were just too frightened to talk about it or they didn't know they didn't know that's what kind it was. of the point yeah, yeah I think it's just been a, it's a different time yeah um 
All right, I want to give you some quick fire questions about dating and a bit of a single Pringle hit list of questions I have for you Okay. as now the ultimate single girl because <laughs> that's what you're dubbed as until you may get – do you reckon you're going to – like the ring situation is intense at the end, right? So there's like a whole point no. like do you have to do that? No. Oh, my God. The one thing I said to the, the big ladies at 10 when they offered me this gig, I go, you do realise you've been watching me, right? You know – you know who I am. I'm not, I'm not, not like, do you know who I am? But as in like, I'm not a bachelorette. I'm not searching for love. I'm searching for loving myself and whatever comes, you know, along the way is a bonus. I'm like, you, you can't expect me to be, you know, like, yes, I'll take this ring. And they're like, this is what we want. <laughs> we want a real girl just to say, and just say whatever you want, you know? So I, I yeah. really hope the right guy who knows me, who gets me, won't even if the producers are like you got to give her a ring we'll go nah Ange won't like that I'm not doing that mm. I mm. really hope they, they they keep their word and they they do let it be more of the Angie version of the bachelorette and not the bachelorette old school because I'm going to crumble if that's the case oh my god but you could be like a viral sensation you go across the world someone gives you a ring and you just laugh in their face oh and, my you, and you're like god. is this a joke and everyone's like uh hello this is the bachelorette this is the bachelorette do you not know what you signed up for yeah. <laughs> but it would be funny it would be okay funny. so it, the biggest I guess the breakup that that shifted you the most what was that and can you tell us a bit about it as in a guy breakup yeah or a girl um, oh, I, like I said, I peaked super young with uh, the sensational boyfriends. Um, but none of those breakups really hurt me because I just, they just came to an end. I just, just realized I didn't want that, uh, in that time of my life. Cause I was so young, but one that really broke me was probably one last year. We weren't official, but because it was that the year of the loss, I like to ter- call it, um, yeah. or the ending, it's just the ending of lots of things. I ended something, um, with a guy and that just, I think that happening has now made me realize that I am also open to feel because for so long, mm. I just didn't think that I could I'll, I'll either ever want a guy or need a guy. But then the heartbreak I felt with him amongst the loss of last year, I was like, no, nah, I can, I can, I have a heart and I got this. Yeah. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Where you're like, I'm hurting so hard, but it's so relieving to feel. To feel again. I just thought I just didn't have that, that in me. So I needed to experience, he needed to be amongst the loss too, for me to know that I, I do have that emotion of really, you know, loving a guy. So your dating type would be that you end up in relation, like you seeing or in relationships with friends. Cause you've mentioned that you kind of end up in a lot of like friends zone places or have you been on apps? Do you do setups? Like what have you done across the last uh, few years for you to meet people? Um, I think living between London and Sydney, I had I actually rekindled with a guy that I met when I was 17 at schoolies. We started dating, which was super nice, but then I'd come back to Sydney and I'd have Gogglebox, so then we'd kind of have to end it, then I'd go back, you know, so that was just an old friend. I did do the whole Tinder thing once and I met a nice dude, but, again, it just I was like, no, I don't, I'm not, wasn't into it. Um, I don't know. It was always through friends, I think. Um, we would just kind of, yeah, just hang for a while and, hook up and form these really beautiful connections and I'd always pretty be very 
make it very aware to them that this is not going anywhere though. This is just, you know, you need to know that I'm, I could move back to London or I could, you know, I always had a, a way out because um, I was petrified yeah. of probably getting hurt and just not being in the right place. Yeah, right. It's interesting because mm. a lot of your stories sound like the cliche story of a dude. You know how you hear these stories, how they're like, my heart was closed, my heart was closed, my heart was closed, I never had anyone and then there's one person. It's like this kind of Hollywood guy story but that's mm. essentially a lot of the, like the stories that you're telling is like you kind of get to a point, walk like a few steps backward, get to a point where a few steps backwards and then you're here in this moment where you're going to literally be given the creme de la creme of dudes. It's it's mm-hmm. like it'll be interesting to see what comes of this. I know. Well, I'm, I think the biggest challenge for me is this, not the jungle, is dating and being vulnerable mm. and being okay with um, giving myself to someone and then potentially not liking me. I, I think I'm happy enough within myself now that I'm not that frightened if it doesn't work out because then I'm a bit like, well, you know, it's, it's not it's not meant to be with this guy and let's try it with, with this guy. It kind of gives me the opportunity to really date and get to know myself as a, as a dater that's open for it to be something, whereas I've never been open for it to be anything more than what I wanted it to be, which was just friends with benefits. But now I really want to find someone. So it's going to be so interesting. Even for me, like I have no idea how I'm going to be. Yeah, that is fascinating because you don't know what you're going to be with a person that you essentially click with because you haven't really had that. And it's interesting. And I mean, childhood stuff is still parts of that, but I would imagine you're a pretty different person. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I had that, I had this really beautiful boyfriend when I was like 16 to 18 and I was so committed to him. So I hope maybe I'll go back to even my 16-year-old self where I was willing yeah, to be nice. vulnerable and be with him. Um, it's funny you say that because I remember when I met my now husband and I was very similar, no settling, very much my goal my parents really struggled, I think, to be independent, even though they divorced when I was very young. I was very, very, very set on yeah. learning how to be okay on my own. And not, I don't mean like pay your bills, I mean in your heart, like totally comfortable yes. with being by yourself. And it was, so I kind of really waited. And sure enough, Ben comes along. And I'll never forget that feeling where I kind of, I really felt like, oh my God, this is what it's like. Because I remember laughing hysterically with him at who knows what time in the morning one morning and I remember feeling the same way I felt that I was laughing with my auntie Chris and my cousins and my mum and my brother Mm. when I was like nine. That innocence, that like true essence of who you actually are came out with him and I was like, wow, this is like full circle. Like this is really bizarre. And my Annie Chris has passed too. So it was like this beautiful moment of her being there and and her getting that giggle, like the, the giggle yeah. I had with her but with him Isn't now. Isn't that beautiful? It was it's almost as if conditioning over the years kind of like took that innocence from us where we believed in like a really happily ever after and then you, when you get it back again you're like, oh, my God. It's here. It's back. Yeah, we put out these ideas. I think, you know, yeah. do you have, do you have, did you have that structure where you were like aiming for 
a husband or aiming for a particular kind of guy that you've now let go of or was that nothing, you know, was that not no. something that you ever really dreamed of? Mm-mm. No, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a strange, strange little woman. I never, never really thought about, like, I never thought about my wedding and I never thought about really what kind of guy I was going to end up with. I always thought this is the woman I'm going to be. This mm. is the career I'm going to have. I'm going to have babies, but I never pictured a man in there. I always thought I was going to do everything by myself. But I think that was a protection thing. Uh, growing up in, in such like a my mum's a mum, my dad's the dad, I, I hated that. I thought that was just so weird even though that was the 90s. Like everybody was like that, but my little something in my little body was like, no, I don't, I don't want a life like that. So I, I almost went the opposite. Um, but I know now that I don't, I, I don't need that. There's going to be a man that loves that maybe I'm the one that goes out and works more, and he's happy to stay home. Like, will the right person? We will find that happy medium. I don't. Yeah, I'm not frightened of that anymore. And what is that kind of picture for you now? I mean, you say that you had that picture of kids and that idea, but you couldn't really see a dude in that, which I completely relate. It's weird how when you can't see them, it's probably because it's not the time. But now if you're looking at a place where you are open to meeting someone, if you could look into kind of, I don't know, some form of future and looked at yourself in two to three years' time, what's that picture look like personally? Um, oh, wow. I think that, uh, yeah, obviously I can definitely see myself with someone now but and that person is going to be um, kind of like the boy version of me where we both have, you know, big, big dreams and big goals and we'll happily, you know, get up and move to wherever we want and we won't let, you know, being in a relationship or having kids stand in the way of us still continuing doing what we want. Um, I don't know if kids are in the picture within the next few years because, God, that would be pretty quick to <laughs> find someone on a show and punch out a few years. But you know what? Never say never you because recently yeah. I have been saying, oh, my God, I would love to have a baby, not soon, but I, I haven't never said that. I've never said I could see it soon. I was always like, oh, no, it will be ages away. But I can see that now I don't know it's that's a tough one I think when I find the right person it might make a little bit more sense but I know that I'll always still have my own stuff going on I don't yeah otherwise it's just not it's just not me it won't be Angie it's true and these questions are kind of they're interesting to make you think but then they're also kind of redundant because I agree with you I think until you meet someone everybody would say to me do you want to get married? Do you want to do this? And I would I would shoot off nah or, you know, things pretty quickly. But now I look back and it's like, isn't it crazy that we all think about a decision that involves two people when we're by ourselves? Yay. Like it's just so bizarre to me to think that people are so fixated with these kinds of traditional steps when you're all on your own and it's actually all the essence is supposed to be about two people. That's so true. What a good way to look at it. It's like, yeah, how do I make that decision when I don't even have know that the person. other person? Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking like, makes us I'm all not- look a bit crazy, actually. Like, <laughs> it's just like, oh my God, I'm imagining this. And I remember a girlfriend of mine saying, oh my God, that's this is so hard to watch. Like, this is my dream wedding. And I'm like, 
you're single. And I know that that sounds harsh, but it's like you don't know what your dream wedding is yet. You haven't even oh. met a, the person. So you don't know what their dreams are. The whole isn't – it just kind of blows your mind. And until you really step up and look at it like that, you can get very stuck in yourself as a single person, I think, where you are very much thinking about your life and your dreams and your ideas. But I guess essentially if you want to open up and share that with someone, the first thing I learned very quickly after being very independent for a long time was I needed to learn how to be flexible too. Yes, you got to listen to the other person. You can't just be like, this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to do. It's like, well, that's not a relationship. And that's why I've never been ready for one because I was always like, well, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. It's like, well, that's not fair. That's not fair on anybody at all. So you need to be in that right place where you have ticked all your boxes and you're ready to, what's the word? No, not negotiate. You're ready to. Um, Compromise. You know. Yeah, compromise. That's the word, <laughs> negotiate. I see I'm looking at relationship like it's a freaking business. Well, um, but it is yeah. It is funny. Compromise is a funny word. I was very uneasy with that word because it's, it looks like, well, generally speaking, the chick's, you know, the one that kind of bends a bit That's more. That's been my biggest fear. That was it. It's like I don't want to compromise to do everything he wants to do because that's what traditionally women are supposed to do. So I went almost though, I took on my masculine side of my body way too hardcore and I just turned every single opportunity to be with someone away because I was like, I'm not compromising what I, my goals for you, a man, you know, but that's yeah. just so, so silly because for the right person, he's not going to, um, he's not going to make me do that. And I will want to do that. Totally. You know what I mean? Totally. And you will change. It's so interesting because the compromise word is really almost like a devil word for independent women <laughs> like that don't want to think about how once they fall in love, what they may do that would be against them. But I think you're right. I think it's about finding the right person, which then will yes. completely I guess, have all of those things go away because they're not going to be things that that person asks of you. Slash will exactly. also do that. It'll be matched. Oh, I'm like a massive believer in that now. And then, yeah, for me too to be at that place where I'm, you know, open to accepting those things. I just feel like we just spend so much time searching for the right person when really we need to be working on ourselves and loving ourselves first because how do we know what we want if we don't truly know ourselves? Yeah, it's so That's it's my, so good. my biggest thing. It's so good. And I love that you're going to bring this to, to, to like the country essentially because I think so many of us, I guess we're walking around thinking that types and ideas of what the picture looks like traditionally were the things that we should be aiming for when actually when you work on yourself, the rest sorts itself out. Yes, definitely. Mm, 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 that's so juicy and amazing. Um, so are you getting lots of, um, I'll, and we'll wrap up pretty soon, but are you getting lots of, I don't know, questions about whether you're speaking to the other bachelorettes or have Sophie Monk called you for advice? You know, are you looking at other people's relationships and thinking, oh, my God, I wonder if mine will work out that way? What's the deal there? Are you trying to keep really focused on your own or is it hard not to kind of look at what's happened before you? I mean, oh, I was going to um, watch all the other, the past Bachelor and Bachelorettes and then I spoke to, um, I can't remember who I spoke to, but they were like, oh, okay, that's not a good idea. We don't want you to do that because we want you to, 
to go in and, you know, just do it your way. Because I find if you start watching the others, you kind of, you know, you want inspiration, whereas that's, you know, this is my, this will be my experience. It's the way I'm going to do it. But, um, yeah, I've been, I've been kind of told to avoid looking into anybody else's stuff too much. Um, yeah, you're not, I'm not really supposed to chat with, especially anyone on Bachelor in Paradise or anything like that, because, you know, please, they, babe, have their own, yeah. they, they have their own journey. <laughs> um, but no, I've, I really want to, um, chat with one of the girls. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it or say that but yeah I've already I have reached out to like Georgia Love and I was hoping chat. you were gonna say her because she's yeah, the fucking we- best and a Melbourne girl yeah. and she's a bomb everything about her is so real not saying that anyone else isn't but she's just a very big gem of a person I think like as soon as I thought about um you know, who I would want to reach out to to chat about, you know, even just little behind-the-scenes stuff, ways to cope, I instantly, she was the first one to pop in my mind. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I wrote to her and we were supposed to catch up in Sydney but we didn't get the chance. So we're going to have a, a phone call hopefully um, soon so I can kind of pick her brain and just, what are the, yeah, yeah, what are the kind of questions out. you want to ask her? Oh, I just want to know... Just you know, ways to little ways to cope. Like, what downtime do you get? How do you? How did you go about working? You know, sixteen hour days. When did you have your kind of alone time to to process the dates? To to know who you liked without the producers getting in your head saying, "Oh, you should really like this guy." Just little things like that. Because mm. she seems so smart and switched on that. I even though I'm quite like I'm a strong person, I'm very easily convinced, mm-hmm. and I'm very much a people pleaser so I will do stuff to make people happy and I just don't think that's the show for me to be like that I need to be learn to say no and stick to my gut and my heart instead of my mind um yeah I kind of just wanted to ask her that but no I haven't reached out to the others um I just think Ali and my view on things is very different she very much went in there you know wanting a husband and kids whereas I'm going in there just to find a partner who I can share and get to know, share, yeah, share, hopefully share my life with, who knows. But, yeah, I'm, but you're I'm open. more there for I'm open to yeah. all of the things yeah. and all of the feels. I'd love to chat with Soph, but I just don't think she'd get the chance. I think she's pretty busy and Sam I think is probably, I don't know if she would. I didn't reach out to her. I feel mm. like she wouldn't chat to me. It's too long ago. Yeah, who knows? It's an interesting thing to think about how different everyone's experiences are. I mean, we've interviewed and chatted to so many people um, that have been on the show and everybody has such their own, again, the word journey, but they've also got their own lives that went into it with. Do you know what I mean? Like it is so interesting. I mean, George's experience is such a full-on one as well because of her mum. So it's just such a um, a unique experience. But that's what kind of is great about the franchise or the not franchise the show because in its own way you kind of can't get in the way of what's meant to be really like even the ones that you're sold and you're like okay is this real is this not real everybody sniffs when it's not quite early on and unfortunately people that are in it can't always sniff that in real life too 
Do you know what I mean? It's pretty real. You know what I mean? Like we all look at it and go, this isn't going to last. For a friend that's with a guy, same deal. If it's supposed to work, it's going to. It doesn't make a difference if it's being filmed or not. Yeah, that's really true. I know it's kind of like dating on steroids, but apparently when you're in it, it's like that's all you have. In the other world, you've got in the real world, you've got your job, you've got your friends. I don't have any of that. So for eight weeks, all I'm doing is dating. So what's the deal with that? You can you speak to your family and friends? Do you have a therapist? Like have you got a bit of a a bit of a your own version of a rider, but like ideas for you to get through it? Or is that something that you really just have to surrender over to them and you don't have much say? So once a week I'll be able to chat to my manager and we I made them write into the contract that I need to be able to talk to my mum once a week just for like my mental stability. I'm not allowed to talk to them about um, show results and stuff like how it's going. No, nah, nothing like that. Just I need to talk to my mum just for my, that's my, that'll be like my therapy, of you know course. what I mean, just to even chat asking about how the family is, about the dogs, you know, just things like that. But, no, I don't see my friends. Um I'm sure the show has a the show will have a psychologist I could probably talk to whenever I wanted and I have like minders that I can talk to but again you know they could probably all go back to the producers so you know I want to make sure I just have my own little routine that I have where I can write and meditate and you know chat to my chat to my nanny things like that that's the things I'll need more than talking to outside people okay well make sure you do that for yourself because now I feel like I'm like it's not going to say goodbye and you're going off to war or something but it's like I'm so intrigued to chat to you when you get out about how all those things because they're the things I'm truly interested in how do you navigate this time how do you make sure that you keep that sense of self and that that open channel to your gut or your nan in your instance you know it's it's such an interesting beast of a thing to do so it's that's one of my biggest concerns is am I going to yeah, yeah, like get swept up with it all that I'm not going to be myself because I'm. It's just so full on. But um, that's. I'll. I'll make sure I say to them. I'll need my time, my own yeah. time if you want. Yeah, if you want, you know, the Angie you've seen on in the jungle or whatever. You're going to need to let me have my my Angie time. Otherwise, then I'm just going to be like a almost like a puppet. And you know, no one wants that. Yeah. Otherwise, they could have picked. That's right. And I think as well that you want to fall in love. Like that would be a really nice thing. Everybody that is single, that is ready for a relationship, likes the idea of that. So you need to also be able to check in with yourself to get there, you know? Yeah, to pick the right guy, not the one that, you know, the show kind of sweeps you up in. I want the guy that I have an actual genuine connection with. And I believe that there will be some really – at first I was like, no, nah, what are they, this is not going to be, you know, after watching Maths and like Bachelor in Paradise, I was like, how the shit am I going to make connections with people like that? Yeah. But um, I've uh, – I, I have a really strong feeling that my angels and my nan and the universe is going to put in at least five decent fellas that I can, you know, have a date with and get to know. The rest will be there for, you know, Instagram and – their business and, you know, things like that. But you'll sniff that. You'll sniff that easy. And that doesn't mean you can't have a good time with them. It just means they don't make it. I make really good friendships with them because I love making new friends. So, you know, if they're there to up their Instagram followers, we can still have a good time having a chat and a laugh. Like I'll know straight away. Yeah, totally. So I just hope to dear God that you have somebody in there that is worthy of you. Like you've had such an adventure of a life but also some – 
you've just dug deep. You're the real deal, you know. So I really hope someone has had that life course too that lands in there, not this kind of surface thing like that actually yeah. can dig deep within themselves to match what you could give someone, Ange. Like I, I really am rooting for that for you. Oh, thank you. That's so lovely. Well, it's true. You always want good people to meet good people. It's like the greatest thing the world can do is when you match decent humans with another decent human. That's so true. That's what the world's all about, hey, is just making connections with the right people. The worthiness level is the same. certainly yeah. some characters out there, isn't there? So Yeah, guys and girls. Oh, for sure. God, I've seen some interesting girl characters in my time. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's no, there's no one, there's no worse sex. There's just bad people. Yeah, 100%. 100%. All right. Well, I will let you go. Um, but thank you so much for our wonderful chat and being so open and insightful, especially about your anxiety and everything. I think it really helps a lot of people feel less alone in that conversation. But we'll all be rooting for you. And I can't wait to catch up when you're out potentially oh. with a boyfriend. <laughs> I know. And then we can talk about my new man. Oh my, my new man. God. Friend. What the fuck? Oh so weird. I feel like I haven't spoken about a man in that way in so long. I won't know what to do with myself. This has been another Bijou Podcast production. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.